Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Go ahead and write this down in your notes. Today's message, we're going to continue on Barnabas in, in a sense, and we're going to call this good man, the first quality that we spoke about last week. And today's message is good man. Good man. And you see what I mean. Good man. Write that down. <coughs> and um, Acts 4 and 5, we will, be, we will begin. Um, as, we, as we get into this, I want to go ahead and, and speak a little bit again about Barnabas because we spoke about him last week. And we, we shared in... Acts 4, as we mentioned and we introduced Barnabas uh, to each other, we, we, we mentioned some interesting things about him. First off, his real name was Joseph. And we spoke about Barnabas' name, real name was Joseph. But, but this name Barnabas was given to him as a nickname. How many of you remember that? It was given to him as a nickname. And the, word, and the name Barnabas means, now this is cool, does anyone remember what Barnabas means? Ellie. Good, it means encourager, and, and the, the exact phrase was, is what? Son of encouragement, son of encouragement, all right? And uh, that's what Barnabas means. And from the first time that his name is mentioned, we see his heart, and we see his willing to serve others. From the first time he's mentioned, in Acts 4.37, just in case you forgot last week or you haven't had a time to listen to the podcast, Acts 4.37 says that he sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. That was the heart of Barnabas. From the first time he's mentioned, he's selling land and he's giving that money of the land that he just sold to the apostles' feet and say, do as you please for the church with this money, for the brotherhood, for brothers and sisters. And this was done. It was done for that specific purpose, to, to meet the needs of the believers of the early church. What a man to sell property and land, to then give that money away to people that were in need in the church. What a man. How many of you could say that? What a man. What a good man. He's a good man. Say that word. Say those words. Good man. He's a good man. I know there's some women here. So we're talking good man just like to cover man and woman. At least woman has, the, has man in it. You know, don't, you know. I'm covering all of you when I say man. If you want me to make you feel better, I'll say good woman, okay? But what a, what a good man, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that because I want to stand before the presence of God, and I want the Lord to look at me and say, good man. <laughs> I don't know what that means to you. It means something to me. Good man. How, you, how, can, I, how, how can I translate that different for you? Good job, well done, good, faithful servant. Good job, good man. And I want that for myself. I, I want that for you guys. I want that for all of us, for anyone who comes to Christ. And here is this man, Barnabas, who gives his land and gives it to the needs of the church, the money he makes off it. There are, there are many others that did the same thing as Barnabas. Listen, Barnabas is not the only good man in the book of Acts. He's not the only good man in the early church. There are many others that are the same as Barnabas. And there are some that are, that are not good men like Barnabas. There are some that actually did it half-heartedly. Uh, some in which they, in, in, in selling land, 
they actually lied about even how much they sold it for so that they could keep a certain percentage of it. And, and they would lie not just to man when they would bring the money, but they would lie to God and to the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that God is, like, you woke up today. Do you understand that you waking up was not even promised? That, 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 that is God's blessing over you, that there's a new blessing each morning. He gave you another breath yet again today. Can we give God some praise for that? <clears throat> you guys are there. But watch. I feel, like, I feel like I'm a substitute teacher in a substitute class that doesn't know me today. Where's my class? Okay. But seriously, <clears throat> you know, this is interesting. <clears throat> Stupid. All right. Let's just go to the Bible, okay? I forgot what I was going to say. That's why I have to pretend. Like, so we go to Acts 5, right? And I, and I want to jump into Acts 5 because not everyone was like Barnabas. Some were different. Some would lie, and this is what I was going to tell you. I remembered. God's in control of your life, just like you have breath today. How many of you would say that God is in control of all of your life, hopefully? And in that, these men didn't understand that, oh, wait a minute. So if I, like the money that I possess, oh, he's also in control of that. Because I, how many of you have a job here? Good. God's blessed you with a job. But we also know that God gives and God could also take away. So we are grateful for where we work. And these people should have been grateful for the land and the homes they had. They sell it and they lie to people. Say, oh, this is, not, this is how much money I sold it for. And in doing that, they're lying not just to man, but they're lying to the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about because not everyone was like Barnabas. In Acts 5, we see the severity and we see the consequences of, of the sin and of lying to the Holy Spirit. Of cheating God. I want to look at Acts 5 verses 1 and 2. And flow with me in 1, 2 and then we'll get to verse 3. It says this. But there was a certain man named Ananias. Who with his wife Sapphira. So at least they were united in something. Not a good thing. But they were united. Not a good thing. But There was a certain man named Ananias. Who with his wife Sapphira. Sold some property. Verse 2. This is so important. I, I highlighted this. He brought part, not full, <coughs> he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So he comes to the apostles, to Peter, and he keeps some of the money behind. In verse 3, Peter tells the husband, Ananias, and he later will tell his wife, the almost... The, the very same thing he's going to tell her husband, Ananias. L listen to verse 3 and 4. Then Peter says to Ananias, Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property, the property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us. Everyone say the next part. But to God. You weren't lying to us. You were actually lying before the presence of God. You see, let me, let me kind of give you a little understanding of, of what this is. 
This is Ananias and Sapphira. We don't know if they had kids. Maybe, maybe not. But Ananias and Sapphira, this was a, a family in the early church. And Peter had to pastor this family. He was their pastor. He was their spiritual leader. And in pastoring them, Peter had to correct them. Peter had to lead them. Sometimes to lead someone, you have to correct them. True leadership is just not ignoring everyone's faults. Sometimes it's looking at someone and said, you're wrong. And, and them accepting that. Peter had to do that as a leader. And he had to correct them for their wrong. And he had to lead them because there was a root issue that they were dealing with. And it was actually a sin towards God. Not necessarily towards Peter. Though he was lying to him as well. But it was towards God. Not to the apostles or to the church. But more to God. More to God. How many of you remember when Saul was on the road to Damascus. And, and the Lord appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. And he was blinded and the light shone. And he heard the voice. Right, He fell off and he fell on the ground. What did the Lord tell him? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you what? persecuting me what did Saul say who are you Lord is how have I ever persecuted you he said every time you persecute one of mine you persecute me we could look at that and look at Acts and say okay it's very similar you've lied to man but in reality you've actually lied to God and Peter was addressing this and this is great let me let me teach for a moment up on, on sin real quick because there's Forms of sin, there's not just one sin, like, oh, I committed a sin. No, there's actually an omission of sin as well. You, you could commit sin and you could omit sin. Sometimes it's the sin that you do, and it's sometimes the things that you don't do that's a sin as well. Okay? So, so they're kind of committing both here. A sin of commission and, <coughs> and a sin of omission. And the severity of it is that it's all towards God. And Peter is showing them something so important. And I want everyone here to understand this before we really get into this message. And this is what Peter is teaching them. God will not be mocked. You could paint a pretty picture to your leaders or to me or to mom or whoever you are you respect, or I don't know, whoever you don't want them to see your truth. But at the end of the day, God will not be mocked. Okay? So Peter says, why have you lied not just to me, but to God? You mock him by thinking he's not aware. <coughs> Let me read a, a scripture. Galatians 6, 7 says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. God is not mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing that you what? That you harvest. Here's how much I sold it for. Here's my money. And Peter says, that's not all of it. So here's how it ends for the early church couple. It says in verse 5, so as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and he died. I'm not trying to tell you today that, that God's just going to kill you. I mean, you can die. I, I want to make sure like a lifestyle of sin could lead to death. It's biblical. Both more importantly spiritual, but it also leads to physical death too. 
You, you can die. More importantly, spiritually, but you can die. So Ananias heard these words from Peter, and he fell to the floor, and he died. And <coughs> everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, they wrapped him in a sheet, and they took him out and buried him. Same thing happens later on to his wife. The same men that, <laughs> that took your husband and buried him are outside that door. Look at their feet. They're coming now because he asked his wife, is it true that your husband sold that land for that much money? It is true. You too will die. You see the feet of those men by the door? They will also pick up your dead body and bury you with your husband. And instantly she falls to the floor. See, I, I want to share this. I want us, as we get into this, to unwrap our minds from thinking that everyone in the early church was great. From thinking that everyone in the early church did everything right. Because sometimes we read the book of Acts, come on, let's be serious. And we say, I mean, I love these people that do this, right? We just need to go back like to the days of the early church. Well, God killed people because they didn't tithe right. <laughs> I just want to go back to the days of the early church. Let me read you a story in Acts 5 of what happened to this couple. Because they didn't give the proper offering. So we, you know, let's go back to the early church. Okay, what exactly do you mean by that? Okay, so, so it's very important. We need to unwrap our minds from thinking, that, oh yeah, everyone was great in the early church. Everything was perfect in the early And then we're not even talking about persecution as well, but... They all did things well and right. They were all righteous and loving and caring, etc., etc. The answer is no, no. Some were in the church, but still, while being in the church, not, not too far away from today, while being in the church had twisted hearts. They were in the church with twisted hearts, with a different agenda, in which they wanted to continue to serve their very own self-interest all while declaring that they're serving God. Are you with me? I sold my land for God so that everyone could see that I'm giving it back to God. In reality, you sold it too because you wanted to make some... Don't give God credit for something behind the scenes that you wanted to do. That's the early church. That's what some of the people were doing. Like Ananias and Sapphira. You guys understand this? So, so in the early church, everything wasn't great. There was people with problems. Um, any difference than the days of today? No. I believe... and I. Maybe not this church, but who are we fooling? This church too. Some of us have twisted hearts in here. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to say it's you. So, some of you have maybe a different agenda. Some of you, who knows? You know your heart. But you think in all the churches in Western America, there are some people that are serving the Lord to see what they could gain for their own self-interest? I don't doubt that for anything. I mean, so this is what was going on even in the early church. There was nothing new, nothing new today that Peter, that the apostles and the early church did not see in their day. So I would say that Ananias and Sapphira, they had a great opportunity laid out before them. Ananias and Sapphira had something so special that they could have received, something so special that they could have been part of. Ananias and Sapphira had a great opportunity. Let's talk about some of the opportunities. Please, I'm still going through the introduction, but the, the beautiful thing is that the meat is not long. So, so just bear with me for a moment. But here is some of the opportunities they had. They had the opportunity to bless others. They had the opportunity to be givers and bless others. They had the opportunities to bless themselves because sometimes you think you're blessing someone but by giving to someone, 
you're recognizing that the one that's really receiving a blessing is you because there's something that becomes alive in you when you start to give to something else. So they could have been blessed themselves by learning what it is to bless someone else. What else could they have had the opportunity to, to be part of? Well, to be trusted by godly leadership. Peter and the apostles could have brought them in and they could have been trusted through their lifestyle and through their walk and devotion to the Lord. They could have trusted them to be leaders in this family. They, another thing is they could have been trusted not just by godly leadership, but how about this one? They could have been trusted by God. God's given them so much, but will he trust them with those things to give back for his kingdom? Will you do it right? Will you, will you glorify? Will you honor me in it? Another thing that they had the opportunity is this, which is, I think, the most important. It's to honor and to glorify the Lord. And instead of honoring and glorifying the Lord, Ananias and Sapphira, what they did was they justified their actions. And, and, and they, they're thinking that, that not giving what was promised was okay. At, at least we're part of the few that give. I believe Ananias and Sapphira were thinking like that. You know what? They can't get mad at me because I know who gives there. And at least I'm one of the very few that give. So they justified their actions, and I believe that they thought it was okay. But we've learned that in Scripture that God is not amused by our giving, but by the worship which leads us to give. Yeah. I love when the prophet Samuel confronts King Saul because Saul messed up, and he tells him this. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? He said, listen obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of the rams. Saul, don't think that your giving is better than obeying what he's saying and what he's telling you to do. Amen? Any obedient children in here? So, so let's get into it. So what do we see about this couple? Here it is. At the end of it all, so we could get out of Ananias and Sapphira's livelihood here. At the end of it all, they were not... They were not good people. They were not good people. They were, you, you, you could have been confused by them and say, oh, they're so good. They're, those are good people there. But in reality, we are revealed by their actions that, no, they weren't necessarily good people. What do I mean by they were not good people? If you were here last week, you understand this. Ready? They were not upright. They were not what? Useful. They were not useful and upright. They, they could not be trusted. This is so important because what does this speak to me? What does this speak to your life, to your family? Here it is. <clears throat> they could not be trusted with the things of God because they failed to be trusted with the things of man. And, and they could not. They, they were not honorable. They were not upright. They were not useful. With a heart divided to serve self and God, it shows that they were not totally committed to God. And the Lord would not use such individuals like Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> what a powerful passage. What a powerful teaching of the life of Ananias and Sapphira. 
Everyone say, not good. Come on, like you're not falling asleep today. Not good. Not good. But as, I, as we say not good, I want to tell you, though, that there are others that are good. And there's another man on the scene that gave what he has and served with a heart that flowed in worship. <clears throat> and his name is Barnabas, and we know him as the son of encouragement. And the description upon Barnabas' life upon him is so different than Ananias and Sapphira. If you read the description upon Ananias and Sapphira, you'll see self-interest and you'll see the word liar is what best describes them. I think that's one of the worst compliments you could get. Tell me one good thing about blank. And they just say, oh, they're a liar. That's very sad. Because I think one of the most precious things that we have is our word. And when we lose the weight and the authority of our word, oh, man, then we have no weight or authority into the hearts of man when we speak God's words to them. When we give words of wisdom or when we give our opinion or when we give our advice or many of you like to say counsel or whatever you want to call it, if you're already known as a liar, every word that comes out of your mouth will not be received. He was different. He wasn't a liar. I'm going to read to you one more time what we read last week. Acts 11.24 says this. Barnabas was a good man. Say it one more time with me. Good man. You know, I want that to mean something different to you. I want to look at you like on Tuesday and say, good man. I want that to mean something to you. I want that the word good means something to you. Barnabas was a good man. That's good, man. He was full of the Holy Spirit, number two. We'll talk about that next week. And he was strong in faith. And, and many people were brought to the Lord because of this good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, man named Barnabas, this encourager. Let me give you the definition one more time of good man. That phrase, as you start to study it a little bit in the Greek, it means this. He was upright. He was honorable, a joyful and happy man. He was useful. Remember last week I said his number could be called by the godly leadership, by the apostles, and they wouldn't think twice. They would call his number. He could be trusted with ever being questioned. He was served. He served and lived from an honorable place. He was known to be upright. Come on, be honest. In your workplace, with your family, in church, ministry, or church family, are you, do you live upright, honest? Are you useful, loyal? Like, are you a good man? Or even, like, don't say, oh, but that's work in church. Those are two different things. No, it's not. God gave you that job. Remember I said, how many of you have a job? How many of you believe God gave you that job? He gives and takes away. So if God gave you that job, it's the same way that we are. We honor him in that job. So we cheat things out. We erase things out. We don't say certain things about certain stuff so that we don't get taxed on certain. That's not the... <laughs> That's not the requirements of a good man. Trying to cheat things. Those are not good man qualities. Barnabas was known as a good man. Why do I know that? Because why would you send this man with no specific skill, talent, or quality other than being a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and he was just an encourager to a place that a revival was going on? Because if we're going to send anyone in there, we're not going to send the most anointed of us because, shoot, let's be honest, Peter should have gone if it was that. But not the most anointed, 
but let's send the most trusted, upright, faithful man, send Barnabas. He'll do well in encouraging them because he's a good man. He's <clears throat> a good man. And this is what I want us to leave with today. What does it mean to be a good man? That's my message. What does it mean to be a good man? Can I just share and drop some things in your heart? I mean, it's pouring outside probably anyways. Don't worry about getting to your car. So just sit with me for a moment. What does it mean? Write that down in your notes. To be a good man. It does not mean, how many of you think, well, I'll be good when I'm perfect. No, it does not mean perfect. It can mean perfected. Totally different than perfect. Maturity and just being 100% perfect are two different things. It does not mean perfect. Listen, it does not mean a good man, right? It does not mean because you think, oh, he's a good man. He sold all his land and gave it to the apostles. No, it does not even mean charitable. There's a lot of evil people outside this world that give a lot of money to a lot of things in a lot of places. It does not mean you're a good man. Amen. It does not mean perfect. It does not mean charitable. It does not mean sinless. Everything that is described as good, come on, come with me on this, is, mo- is morally right. You want to be a good man? Be moral. What does morality start at? Within yourself, okay? And if you live in a home with family, what does morality continue at? At home? Be moral. Everything that is described as good is morally right. Everything that is described as good is righteous. Huh? Is it's, it's morally right, righteous. And one definition puts it like this. It's, it's having the qualities required for a particular role. So let me write some thoughts that I wrote down. Ready? It may not mean that you're sinless, but it does mean that you're not sinful. Man, I feel like you guys are not, didn't understand that part. If you're a good man, it doesn't mean that you're, not, that, that you're sinless. But it, but it does mean that you're not sinful. That Barnabas, trust me, just like you and I, was a sinner. He wasn't a sinless man. But that's totally different when I say he wasn't a sinful man. That's totally different when we look at Barnabas. So, so I want to make sure you understand what a good man looks like. It does not mean you're right about everything. You may be wrong on some things, but it does mean that, again, back to the first thing, you're morally right. It does not mean that you are to play, back to that definition I gave you, the role given to you, every single role, every single hat in excellence, because you do a lot and, you, and you're trying to balance your whole life. But it does mean that you are useful, just like Barnabas, honorable, trusted with the role that God has given you to fill. What was Barnabas' role? Go and encourage Antioch. That's awesome. All right, that's all I'll do. And I'm going to do it what? Good. Because that's the role that God gave me. Hmm. Now what? Hey, I, I wonder, I, you know what? Let's, let's play a game here because this is good. Not a game. Let's, let's interact here. 
what are some, what is a role that God gave you? Thank you. I was hoping that someone would say that. To be a mom. To be a wife is good. So we, we could stop at those two and say to be a mom, to be a wife, good. <clears throat> if that's the role that you know he's given you, then here it is. You be a good woman in that. What, what do you mean? You, what, you are useful, you are honorable, and you are trusted in that role of mom, in that role of wife. And here's Barnabas the encourager. And I believe this, and you should write this down, the next few things down. He was a genuine encourager, encourager because he was an authentic good man. I believe that everything about Barnabas was able to encourage because deeply inside it, wasn't, it, it was something that was authentic. It was genuine that he was a good man. That the capability to encourage in whichever season was because he was an effectively righteous good man within. So he was able to encourage because something real was good and righteous inside. This is what I mean. Ready? Barnabas, he did not have to fake being upright. How many of you are one way at home, you have visitors over, and the whole household just changes? You put worship music. Someone walks in and just put on worship. <laughs> put on a candle. And God's like, you haven't worshipped me for years. And you invited people and you want them to see that you're worshipping. All right. <clears throat> he didn't have to fake it. I felt like if you walked into his car, obviously, like, he had on whatever he felt like having on. And he would give you a great explanation of why he has that station on. And at the end of it, there was nothing to fake in his life. He was a good man. There's a song from an old rap group, a rap group that we like. And it just, it's in my head. I feel like almost rapping it. I won't do it. But there's a part, there's a part where, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Some of my old students are like, no. Okay, but watch this. Hey, but like one of, the, one of the rappers said, I guess that make you, guess that make you, that make you a faker. I guess that make you, yes, that make you, that make you a faker. And, and you know, Barnabas, like that wasn't on his soundtrack. He didn't have to. That's as far as it's going. So, so get over it. Get over it. Get over it quick. All right. He didn't have to fake being upright. Come, let's keep going. He didn't have to fake being honorable. He didn't have to fake having joy. How many of you are miserable Monday through Saturday and you walk in here on Sunday and say, how are you doing? Oh, hallelujah. I'm doing great. But you know that you're lying because Monday through Saturday was hell. But you came in here and you're like, I guess that make you, yes, that make you, that make you a faker. I guess that make you, yes, that <laughs> You know what I'm saying. But... But the truth is, who are we speaking to? We've all been there at some point of our lives. Because I've been in this place and I 
faked it so good that you didn't know it. I looked up here and I smiled at you and I preached at you and my vein popped and we sang another song. We might have even had an altar call and there was people that were saved here on Sunday. But what you didn't know was I was going back home and I was miserable and I was in tears and I was anxious and I'm stressed out. But wait a minute. I'm good. God is great and everything is well. Who are we lying to? It's time that we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in us. Come on. Let's be good men. Let's be good men. Let's be good. Do you, I mean, I haven't even said it yet, but I hope you're getting the revelation. Be honest. Let honesty begin. Let it, st- like, honest, we, years ago, honesty sets people free. Honest. How is it today? Sucked. Barnabas didn't have to fake it. There was something righteous in him. There was something good in him. There was something alive in him. He was upright. He was honorable. He didn't fake having joy. He didn't have to fake being useful. I believe that Barnabas walked into Antioch in Acts. And when he walked into Antioch in Acts 11, he didn't go, everyone come to the temple. I I don't think he faked anything. I think he just started walking around Antioch and visiting the people's homes and just walked in with a smile. How are you doing today? Can I make you some bread pudding? I don't know. Can I pray for you? He just started to do life with people and doing life with people. He began to encourage people and he began to encourage people, not because he was necessarily an encourager and fake the encouragement, but when you looked at the encouragement, it stemmed from inside, from within. There was an upright, there was a faithful, there was a strong man in the faith, full of the Holy Spirit, honorable man. And from that came the encouragement. I'm not going to fake anything to you. All hell is breaking loose, but man, am I finding joy today. He was a good man. And my God, do I long to be more like that. Sorry about that, but yeah. Let let me say some things, ready? His consistent ability to encourage, regardless of the circumstances, was due to the nature of his being, the core of who he was. He was truly a good man. I wrote it this way too. The exterior display of encouragement was due to an interior transformation in righteousness. In what righteousness? Not his own righteousness. In Christ's righteousness. Why are you such a good man? Because Christ's right lives in me. Christ's right lives in me. His righteousness lives in me. This is really the, not necessarily where I'm going to end it, but this is the passage that I will end it with. Because I feel like this is the message right here. Ready? Romans chapter 3. Hello. Tell that person, I'm trying to be a good man. Pick it up, pick it up and tell them that. I'll call you later. I'm working on myself on this rainy Sunday. Memorial week, man, we forgot to honor that. Memorial weekend, forgive me for that. We'll honor. Hallelujah. Romans 3, 21 through 26. Can we just read it? And I want you to catch the stuff. 
Can you catch it? Please, when you start catching it, feel free to say an amen. Got that. I understand it. I'm hearing it. Whatever you want to say. Because I think you're going to catch it. And you're going to hear me repeat something constantly, 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 over and over. I'm going to read it from the NLT. Here it is. Romans 3.21. I'm going to start there. It says this. But now God has shown us a way to be made right. With him, without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lord. No, verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And, I, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned and falls short of, the, of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God. Made right with God. I almost want to say made good, made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. See, I know that Romans 3.10, because I really need to speak to some people about this for a moment. I, re- I, know, that Romans, I know what Romans 3.10 says, okay? Because when I was saying this, ready? Be a good man. And Barnabas was a good man. Some of you got so theological that you actually said, but no man is good. And my God, did you not understand scripture? When you said, no man is good, though, pastor, you're preaching it wrong. That's heresy. No, no, no. Man is good. Let me explain to you. Romans 3.10 tells us there is none righteous. No, not what? Not one. But the context around that scripture does not teach that goodness and righteousness can never be found or inherited in man. It teaches that if you read that context of scripture that I just read, it's actually teaching that religion or laws or the ways of man can never make one good or righteous. But it is only in one and through one that true righteousness is found so man can be good in Christ Jesus who makes us man. Tired of people like, you know, they're, they're, they're in their life and they're sinning and they're, in, and they're right across from me at a Starbucks or in my office. And they're like, I did this against my wife and I did this against my husband. Or I did this against this. But you know how it is, pastor. No man is good. No, you're not good, but I'm going to choose to be good. I'm going to choose to be good. I'm going to run to those things. I get that no one is righteous and no, not one. Right. I understand that there is nothing that any man or any law or any religion could do to make me good or righteous. There is nothing. There is no system. There is no sacrificial system. There is nothing. There is no confession to man. There is nothing that I could kiss. There is nothing that I could lock myself into a room and then shake some stuff and dress in a certain color for a certain amount of day. There is nothing that could make me good. No laws, no tradition of man, but there is one that can. And I hope you got the answer when I read Romans 3, verse 21 through 26. 
So we can't come up to each other and you can't confess over your life, I'll never be good. And you don't really know God. Uh, Don't come to us and to people, to yourself in the mirror and say, I'll never live righteous. I love to sin too 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 much. I'll never get rid of this. I can never be like Barnabas. No, the truth is maybe it's that we're, we're not really knowing who Jesus is and what God has done for us through Jesus. You You are capable of being good. What do I mean? Of being righteous, of being upright, of being honorable, of being trusted, of being joyful, and of being useful. You are capable of it. And today, I want you to stop lying to yourself or lying to others saying that you're never going to be able. No, because Christ can make that mess in you and turn you into a good man. How do I know that? There's a lot of messes, ex-messes in here. Man. You're capable of being good, amen? But it's not in anything that you can do. It's not in anyone you can run to. It's in God. It's in what Jesus did for you, amen? Man. You know, if that stuff is not true, then the whole book of Romans must be thrown into a trash and burned. The whole Bible, actually. But we're going to shred Romans a little bit more if that stuff is not true. Because Romans is almost about all of that. What do I mean? Here it is. I'll repeat it. God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements. Number two, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 3. Number three, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Jesus Christ. Number four, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Number, next one, I forgot. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Did you catch mix right, mix right, mix right, mix right, mix right? So can our falling short of being good, can off our, our falling short of being upright, our falling short of being honorable, joyful, happy, useful, can it be due to our falling short of truly knowing Jesus today and what he's done for us? Could it be, could it be falling short of living with him, being consumed by him? I'm, I'm going to end with this and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Amen. How many of you are receiving something? Give me a second. Hallelujah. <clears throat> there's like a little secret thing back there. So like sometimes I, there's someone back there, so I have to always give them a, when I'm not feeling from you, I have to give them a high five. Just Come on. Jesus' name here. Turn on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I end, Lord is good. Amen. Can our falling short of being good be due to falling short of truly knowing him, living with him, being consumed by him? Let me give you some examples and and I'm going to wrap it. Wrap it up. (laughs) These are just some examples because there's like 40 something that you could find in the Bible. I forgot the exact number, 46, 48. Forgive me. For not knowing the exact number right now. But 
if you were to meet Zacchaeus right now, you know Zacchaeus, hopefully, the wee little man was him, hung in the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus wasn't a good man. The Bible teaches us that clearly. But I'm going to give you some examples of men that we could interview, of people that we could interview. Many of them, most of them, I don't know their names. Zacchaeus is one of the only ones, sadly, that I know his name, that I chose to pick out of the 40-something that I could have picked. But can our falling short of being good be due to a falling short of really knowing Jesus? How do I know that? Because when Zacchaeus met Jesus, his life was never the same again. Never the same again. When lepers met Jesus, you see that their lives were fully transformed again. There were 10 lepers one time at the border of Samaria. I would love for you to go interview the one that came back and fell at the feet of Jesus and began to worship him. When he met the righteousness and the goodness of Jesus, I think he walked back different to his town, different than the other nine did. If you were to ask the woman in adultery, we don't know her name, we've preached that a lot, sad that we call her that. If you ask the Samaritan woman at the well, we preached on the same thing. On the demoniac in Capernaum, which my Israel peeps, you will see that area, Capernaum. The demoniac who lived in the tombs. If you ask the mute and the demon-possessed man, if you ask the woman with the flow of blood, if you ask the deaf and mute man in the capitalist, if you ask the two blind men from, his, from Jesus' very own hometown that were chasing him, running after him, yelling, Son of David, have mercy on us. If you ask the man suffering from dropsy in, in the Pharisee's house, and if you ask the apostles, and if you ask many more of the other 40-something of them, when they met the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus, see what happened to their lives. Every single one of the apostles, when he looked into Matthew's eyes with fire and Matthew's heart started to burn, he said, Matthew, close up shop. You're no longer going to be a tax collector. Come and follow me. When he looked at fishermen on the Sea of Galilee and he said, put the boat away, put your nets away, fry all the fish that you have. They were Jewish. They probably didn't necessarily fry it the way we think. But, but fry all the fish and eat it all the right way and, and, and come and follow me. You're no longer going to be a fisher men, but a fisher of men. And, and these men started to look at the eyes of Jesus. And when they began to look at the eyes of Jesus, something inside of them started to burn. And when that stuff started to transform their lives, and, and I could go down the list again. And all these people that I just mentioned and many more that I did not mention, there was something in them that began to transform because they ran into the only one that is good, that is able to make man good. And his name is Jesus. How many of you know you're not, do not raise your hand, but you might want to come up to the altar in a moment. But how many of you know that you're not good and you need good Jesus today? The, what I mean by that is, because good is so like minute to what he really is. Righteous Jesus. To make your wrong right today. For what? So you could be a five of you received the word say you could be a good man I'm going to run I'm going to run to those eyes that burn in my heart so that his righteousness can make all my wrong good I want to be like Barnabas not like Ananias and Sapphira what a mess they were but my God do they remind me a lot of me <laughs> what a mess they were but man do they remind me a lot of me There's something that happened in my life and in many of your lives when you met Jesus. Where Ananias and Sapphira died. 
so that Barnabas could be made alive. I need your righteousness so that I could be a, a good man. I'm going to read it one more time and, and, and you know what, just stand with me as we read it one more time and we're done. I'm going to read Romans 3. I'm going to read from verse 21 once more. Here we go. <clears throat> and it says this. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. He was promised in the writings, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. God has shown us a way to be made right without keeping the requirements. Come on, free yourself from requirements. There is a better way than all the requirements. Some of you are still living in this fake goodness to still please your parents. And you want to still be accepted by your parents. Forget those requirements now. And get into the place where you've met all of his requirements. Let his righteousness pour into you. Some of you live so that I could be accepted by others. Get away from those requirements. And even the religious ones, the spiritual ones that if I do this, then I'll be well. Well, no, let, let what God has already done be enough for once in your life. Because he's already met all the requirements that you and I will fall so short in meeting. So God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements. Amen. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. This is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, I don't care who you are. That's why I love that. That's why I love that Jesus could save a murderer, an adulteress, and a liar all in the same day. Because it doesn't matter who you are. My righteousness is heavier and it's greater and it drowns the murder. It drowns the sin. It drowns the adultery. It drowns it all. My righteousness. I'll make it right, he says. And it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've touched, what your eyes have seen. It doesn't matter what you're... what your disgrace is, what your shame is. Man, I love to say that to free some of you from continuing to hold that shame and that disgrace. To tell you that that shame, that disgrace, it doesn't matter who you are, I make it right. Amen? For everyone has sinned. For everyone, everyone's, yes, we're not good. Yes, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everyone has sinned. Yes, we've all fallen short, but we always forget to read verse 24. Yet, God in his grace freely makes us right. Yes, you've all sinned. Yes, you fall short. But yet God, because he's gracious, makes you right. And guess what? For free. Because he paid it for you. What was the price? Now leave that one on. For free. Free, he made us right in his sight. Verse 24, it says, how? How did he, how did he do this? There, everything needs a price. It, there was. It's free because he paid it. Here it is. 
He did this through Jesus Christ. That was the price. When he freed us from the penalty of our sin. This is a message that can never get old. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. That cross stuff is real, man. The Lamb of God stuff, that stuff is real. The sacrifice, verse 25, shows that God was being fair, justice, just, when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. You should be punished and have been punished, but God says, no, I punished my son. Say, you could be right. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair. He himself is just. Thank you, Lord, for that. And he makes sinners. Thank you, Lord, for this. He makes sinners right. He makes sinners right. If you want to really translate that correctly, he makes sinners righteous in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Let's translate that in its proper context. And he makes sinners righteous in the sight in Jesus' righteousness. Come on with me for a moment to eternity. Come with me to eternity one day. The day you stand before his presence in the glorified state. And the father looks at you with piercing eyes. And the father says, why should I let you in? And all you can do and all you can say is, (laughs) you're better off asking the one to your right. He's got a word for you. (laughs) Jesus made me right. He'll be on that side. Father, your son holds the answer to that question. The son says, Father, in my righteousness, I made him a son. In my righteousness, I made him right. The father looks at you and says, right on and then he says good man good man and you could almost see it where Jesus looks back at the father and says good man good man and then and then you're on this side and you're like am I good man (laughs) am I good man everyone in heaven rejoices and says good man good man because of the only one who is good man and righteous man thank you Lord I surrender alright this message is for all of us, but but if you need to surrender, you're wrong, and you just said any prayer for His righteousness. We'll take a few minutes, not long. I know you want to have an awesome barbecue in this rain today. I know you have an amazing picnic planned, but no, I know some of you want to spend time with your family, and I want to honor that. 
because that's important. But how many of you are saying, I just want my wrong to be made right. I want to be righteous in his, I want his righteousness to touch heart, to touch my heart, to touch down. I want to hear that good man spoken to my spirit. For the rest of you, in that righteousness that God has already given you, go ahead and worship him in this and continue to surrender. But come on, if you are here and this song means something to you, I surrender, and you know that's you, I surrender. I surrender. Come on, I'm going to ask you to come up and just surrender it. Come up and surrender it. And we'll close up in, in a little bit, but, but let the Lord minister to you today. Come on, church, let's sing that to the Lord.